Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. The season is upon us, fam. It's like training camp next week. There's going to be rookie games this weekend. I looked at the I look at looked at the calendar today, and I was like, oh shit, it's payday. But then I was like, oh shit, it's uh. <laughs> it's like the season is this week. I mean, it's it's exhibition games, it's rookie camp, but it's all things to get excited for. Football started, which means hockey can't be that far behind, and it isn't. It's all getting started real soon. So we actually have a few things to talk about, none more important than the goal song, and we'll get right into that. Uh, but first, we got to start, as we always do, with the intros and lead it off with Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. Oh my God, there has been essentially no off season. It has just been go, 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 even in August. And I'm excited that hockey is coming back, but man, I needed a few more weeks of preparation. Charlie just laughs. <laughs> no, Charlie's like, like I, off season. We, we, did, we did take a couple of weeks off. There were like two shows we didn't do in this time period, but it still feels like... I don't know. There should have been more dead time, right? Like I feel like they yeah. just signed Martin Jones. Anyway. The problem is Chuck did so much stuff. And like yeah, he had the second wave. It was really that second yeah. wave yeah. that was like, "Oh, and like like we just started the top 25 under 25 and like rookie camp is this week." Uh so it's it's pretty wild here at Broad no, Street Hockey that- and through that that yeah, is what ahead. threw everything. Like that's what threw everything yeah. was that second wave. You know, you usually even in a normal off season, usually the end of August is truly dead time. 
Like, there's a reason why the entirety of the hockey media takes off the entirety of August, because generally speaking, nothing really happens. And Chuck Fletcher basically decided in a two-week span that he was going to have a second offseason, where Rude. he signs, you know, he's what, he signed Broussard, Broussard. he re-signed Couturier, he re-signed Farabee, and they scheduled a development camp. Like, the development camp thing honestly was weird. Um, it was, in retrospect, it was honestly quite weird, because... They had development camp, and then, like, two weeks later, they're having rookie camp, which is basically the same thing as development camp. Like, it was it, it was fun to go to development camp and get a, get a look at these players because I missed it last year, obviously, when we couldn't have development camp because of the pandemic. But there there is an element of, like, what exactly was the point of this? <laughs> um, Just to get everybody in there and probably get them fucking, hey, you, you got your shot? All right, well, guess what? Stab! Like that's that's probably probably how it went, but it really I don't did know feel if they like, stabbed anybody. I do not think they stabbed it, but it really did feel like it was you know sort of a second off season because you had some type of camp, which usually happens in early July when all the stuff is going on, and instead there was a camp. While in the midst of that camp, more stuff was going on. So it just it feels like in a way it only feels like a couple weeks after the off season ended. When in reality, the offseason ended like two months ago. It's just we got this second offseason that not many teams got. Yeah, well, it has just been a weird schedule. And that was the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. Do you have anything else, Chuck? <laughs> uh, not really. So I'm actually not going to be covering rookie camp. Um, oh, and wow. I, and I, I would apologize, <laughs> but I don't feel bad in the slightest. Um, because I covered all of development camp, and I really don't think rookie camp is going to provide much more. Um, I'm having a little mini vacation before the start of the season again. So Hot damn. Hot do damn. not expect so... me to be live-tweeting things and interviewing players over the next four days, because I'm not doing it. I am off. So it's... Are you coming to Atlanta? Because none of you have <laughs> no, yet. No, I'm coming to Chicago. <laughs> Ooh, wrong direction. So yeah, you won't... Kinda. You're not doing the camp, so the games are out too? Because it's like 50%... It's fifty yeah. percent, like two games against the Rangers, right? Yeah, I get, yeah. I get home on Monday, so I'm missing the entire okay. camp. Cool. Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I'm gonna put on a ginger wig and I'm gonna go to rookie camp and pretend to be Charles O'Connor. <laughs> see who notices. I'll have that to take my glasses off though. That'll fuck me up because I won't be able to see anybody. Just be like, I'm, <laughs> I'm Charlie and I got glasses. <laughs> I mean, I do wear glasses. I just don't wear them often. I, ha- yeah. I have them. I wear, just wear contacts. Anyway, I think... Kelly, I know that you have contacts. I know that you own them. I don't even know if I still do. I tried them one time, and I didn't like sticking things into my eyeball. It wigged me out a lot. <laughs> Fair. And plus, I'm a nightmare of a human being, and I like rub my eyes constantly and touch my face all the time, which was like a really good thing during the pandemic. Um, so yeah, it was just glasses. And plus, I like having as much of my face covered as possible. And the glasses cover some of it up. No, no negative stuff. No, you're talk. totally right. They're not, they're not transparent. Well, parts. <laughs> you know, you can see through them, which means that people can also see through them on the other side. This conversation got off track really quickly. Does I'm anybody... excited about the Flyers <laughs> tickets going on sale. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy me some Flyers tickets, I think. It's <laughs> my plan. I'm going to come up and go to a game. I just don't know which one yet. Perf. So let me know when you buy tickets and we'll figure it out. I was really about to say again, I want to get the second game against Seattle to see Jake. And I'm like, fuck, he's not there. 
Like, nah, I really, I really, really have this idea in your head that like really, he was taken by Seattle. It, yeah, it's really, I'm, it's having trouble getting through. Like it was just happening in my head the whole time, and I can't even remember who they took now. Uh, Carson cert- Torrance. Yeah, that's him. The the guy who the not Lazinski, the other one. It's okay. Uh, I I think there's the there's one. a good Carson chance that in a couple e. weeks Seattle will forget they took Carson Torrance too. <laughs> <laughs> he spells Carson with an E. Like, who can keep track of this guy? Uh, but yeah, so uh, I would like to see Seattle, but I, I got a lot of I got a lot of wrestling tickets in queue. I don't know if I can make it to any early season games. Might have to wait a little bit. Uh, anyway, I forget what the fuck I was gonna say. Um, oh yeah, the goal song. Let's just get into that because this rookie camp that's fun. The games against the Rangers. Uh, All that is cool, the season right around the corner, exhibition schedule, but what really matters is the goal song. I like, finally, and Kelly, I know you have a a pessimistic take on it that honestly I love and believe, Uh, but... I, I, I let me just tell you what I like about what they're doing. They're involving people. They're involving the fans, and everyone likes to think they're being heard. So that's cool. There's going to be a vote of some kind. People are submitting picks. People are you know trying to petition for songs on Twitter. That's all well and good, even if it's just for something as meaningless as the goal song. And I'll tell you what I really liked. They used Cam Atkinson for the video, and that really keeps with the fresh theme. Like, if it was Claude Giroux, it would be like, yeah, all right, whatever. Even Kevin Hayes, who we all like, and he has a personality, uh, he's been here a couple of years. People have mixed feelings coming uh, mixed feelings coming off of last season. It sticks with this theme of new, this, this new mix, and new goal song. I like that they're looking at this year as the fresh start season. It really does seem like they're doing that, huh? And I'm... S- I'm super into it, too. And uh, Cam Atkinson has kind of become the face of the organization. Like, everything this summer has been Cam. Yeah, they, they're definitely pushing him out there, and I don't hate it. Well, he's just, no, that, I mean, he's just that kind of guy. Yeah. Like, he's very enthusiastic about being part of a team. It was the same way in Columbus. Like, he was a fan favorite in Columbus, and mm-hmm. it was especially a big deal in Columbus because – Obviously, the Blue Jackets and Columbus have the reputation of, like, people don't want to be there. And Cam Atkinson very clearly was happy in Columbus. So it was like, holy shit, we got a guy who's happy here. We need to push him out all the time. (laughs) And I think he's just gotten used to sort of playing that role, being like a face of a franchise. So it's been very easy for him to slide right into that role in Philadelphia. And you have a franchise in Philadelphia that's like, as Bill and Kelly just said, is very much trying to you know, say, this is new, you know, don't worry, it's not going to be last year, we're not doing that again, y'all survived that somehow, we're not doing that again, so here's this new guy who no one hates yet, so here, look at him. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yeah, like, and by all accounts, he's, he's a really, like, decent human being on top of, like, all of the hockey stuff, like, he's like a good guy, and Columbus is really upset that they lost him, but that's only to our benefit. I'm I'm pretty pumped about Cam Atkinson in general, but who was the last guy that they they pumped around into the PR? Well, I was just well Hayes, but Hayes. Hayes Hayes it was a little bit like it wasn't the off season. They started pumping him into our into our brainwaves like once they found out he was funny and they yeah. they just like he was always <laughs> on social media doing well, those things. 
when I was saying yeah. it, I remember them trying this a couple years ago with somebody, and I cannot remember who it was. Um, was it Mark Strike? I don't fuck. I don't remember that. No, that was nah, Strike was pretty low. But no, there. Yeah. I think there was a defenseman though. Yeah. Was it? Could it have been? No, it wasn't Niskanen because he was too reserved. There was somebody else though that they brought on, and I just they just can't. kept shoving in our faces. Yeah, I just can't. To our listeners. To our listeners, I know that one of you knows who this is and that we've talked about it before. Just tell us, yeah. please. Yeah. But, so uh, I want to backtrack for a second because this started yeah. out not being a Cam Atkinson conversation, but a goal song conversation. Sure. And I want to go on a little bit of a rant here. Ooh. Um, Bill and Kelly Are we Charlie both funds? made the point that part of – the entire theme of maybe the last like few weeks of the offseason, basically after the Flyers actually did stuff and convinced people that they were going to do stuff. Um, the theme of the offseason, I think, in the way it's been presented to the fans is like this idea of new, this idea that, you know, we're turning the page, we're doing something new, you know, it's going to be different. And this goal song, I agree, it absolutely plays into that. They want to change it up. They don't want it to be feel the shake anymore. Here's my thing. I am stunned and utterly dissatisfied with just how many people want to make the goal song dupe again. It, it's, I, yeah. I, I literally don't get it for a couple yeah. reasons. Number one, because again, we're turning the page. You know, we want something new. Let's, let's have something fresh. Let's not go back to something we've already done. We've, we've been there. We've heard dupe. It's fine. It's a good goal song, but like we can get something else and it can be a new era. Number two, and for some reason, people don't seem to mind this, but I mind a lot. It's not the Flyers goal song. It's the nope. union's goal song. The Flyers took it. Like, let's not... By using another team's goal song from the same city, you're essentially acknowledging that you're not original enough to have your own shit. Like, that was that always rubbed me the wrong way about Dupe. It's a fun goal song. You know, it, it plays the role it's supposed to play in the sense of, like, being exciting and whatnot. So I get that. But, like, it's the principle of the matter that you don't take another team's goal song from the same city. You just you don't see, do I it. I wish... If there was, like, some sort of, like, obviously, like, the Eagles fight song doesn't make sense. And, like, um, I don't know, like, the Here They Come 76, or like, that doesn't make But if there was some sort of, like, unifying thing for every team in this city, I would like that a lot. Like, as, as much as Pittsburgh is just, like, a third-rate town, like, I like that all their teams wear the same colors. I think no, I that's agree. cool. Like that there's, there's, there's a unifying theme there. If there was, like, one thing. That, like, everybody used. Like, if Dupe was just, like, citywide, the thing that we did, I'd be fine with it. But, like, who gives a fuck about the Union? Like, 11 people. And, like, that's not to talk shit yeah. on the Union. Like, 14 people care about the Flyers. But, like, it, it's soccer in a country where, like, our ninth best athletes play soccer. Like, no one gives a shit. Uh, I, I, like, Dupe and... Dupe and bro him like represent a bygone era like exactly. it's over like exactly why do we want to go back to something like because that was one of the things i wanted to ask like do you want to go back to a past goal song because no. i've seen well, i've seen so much about bro him and while it is a great song and i just happen to like that band it's over like th that era mike richards and jeff carter aren't going to be 24 here anymore like it's done also like i i feel like it's a fruitless exercise. The way that they rolled this out, it's very clear. 
that the team wants a new goal song. Yes. Yeah. Like they're not interested in changing yeah, the goal song to something. Like that's we didn't a whole want. idea. Yeah. Like this is very clearly the Flyers want a brand new goal song. If they're, I am of the opinion that they probably have already picked it and they're just doing a Jeopardy. But <laughs> even so, speaking like, of Mike Rick- Richards, <laughs> like it, it, even so, it's it's. Like, suggesting to them that they go back to a different song is just, like, not the exercise that we're doing. So you're wasting your time. Think of something better. There are a lot of people who are, I- like, screaming that they, they need to bring back Dupe. And it's like, shut up. Sorry. I've seen I've seen Dupe and I've seen Bro Him. I've seen and Dupe like, a lot more than Bro Him. Yeah. I thought everybody hated Dupe the, at the time. The only answer to this one problem is whoop there it is correct that's it See, i'm not I'm, I'm not on board with that but what do you want well you obviously haven't heard the version that Eamon came up with which is exactly how i pictured it in my mind is it it wasn't how i pictured it wasn't that's exactly how i pictured it and what i think that we should add it at the end of this podcast oh, what if great. it's more work for kelly <laughs> I can do it for you. No, you can't. What if it's scoop there? I mean, I can. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I won't, but, you know, All I right. could. Uh, before we get into ev- what everybody wants, what do you think about the idea of individual goal songs? Because I've always liked that, but it's also... Fun. Yeah, like, also, I like, having one thing and being a team, that just seems so... Like, it seems so hockey. Like, having the individual goal songs seems so much like stepping on the logo. Like, I like it just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit, even though I think it's kind of fun. Like, would you want an individual goal song? Steph, you look real yes. excited. I am real excited because I, I don't think that we've mentioned it on this show, but Seattle, the Seattle Kraken, did not put their logo on the floor. They put it on the ceiling. So this is a whole new era of hockey media faux pas. That's dumb. I love it. Like you can't You can't gather you around can't something get in on trouble the ceiling. for stepping on the logo. You just don't step on they it. It ain't it, hard. You just you put avoid it on the ceiling. You gather around it I and then you avoid. I love the idea. I That's love the idea of individual goal songs. Loser mentality putting it on the ceiling. <laughs> what we're going to see with individual goal songs, but and what we would see, they're never going to do it. Is a lot of the same shit. They're and very a lot boring. of. They're very boring and a lot of, um, country. Country music yeah. and bad EDM. That's the yeah. That would be my fear. Get. Is like yeah. every other guy would be like, got a little dirt on my boots. Like that. Would be- <laughs> That would that would be what the fuck's going on, and like I'd get up and leave. I'd be like, "Well, rooting for the fucking Rangers." Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't have like I don't have a problem with that in theory. Um, I believe the Capitals do it now, so it's not like it, it's without precedent. Like there are teams that are doing it, and it's fun, especially if you have players with actual personality who would pick fun songs. You know, maybe songs that are sort of like poking fun at themselves. Like that would be kind of cool. My big issues with it functionally number one is what you said that a lot of players are kind of boring and i think a lot of players are just pick boring songs number two and this is something i thought about a lot i actually don't really know what the capitals do in this situation but like it's more it happens more often than you think that like you don't know immediately who scored Mm -hmm. the goal 
Yeah. So, like, if you don't know if it was deflected or whatever, or if, you know, a shot from the point, if it went through clean or if it got deflected. And, like, so are we just going to be playing the wrong goal song? And then we yes. find out later that it's this guy who scored. So then we we play the goal song again. Like just logistically, I, I have some issues with the way that plays out because it's not like football where it's very obvious like who scored a who scored the touchdown. Like a lot of times, it's not that obvious who scored a goal in hockey right touchdown? away until you look at a replay. So that's a very good point, Charles. Yeah, I, just easier I, I think to that do would... the, the single goal song. Yeah, I also think that would kind of be the fun of it is like the DJ having to guess because that's <laughs> not my job. So <laughs> it's fine with me, but I would hate that personally if I had that many things. On my middle school hockey team, we had individual goal songs, and like we couldn't. After two games, we couldn't get the guy to do the music anymore. He's like, "No, I'm done with this." <laughs> it's like the other. We played. I'm I'm a little teapot. When the other team scored, they got all mad at him. He quit. That's amazing. It was pretty damn funny. Also, uh, it, it kind of removes like the rallying cry portion of it which is kind of the best part of goal songs and like that the I'm whole to... place is like doing the same thing and no one's yeah. gonna learn 28 goal songs chanting for funsies yeah yeah they might you know maybe it's like a uh, european I soccer mean, every player has their own chant and shit i don't have that much like room in my brain i can't with 28 different or 24 <laughs> however many how many hockey players are there? Yeah, but really, how many guys? How many guys are we really worried about? Like, if that's I don't true, like four, if, if I don't learn Nate Thompson's goal song, I don't think that's going to be much of a hindrance. Imagine, like, imagine if they did this the year that Boyd Gordon scored the first goal, and I know that happened on the road, oh. but like, imagine that being the first goal song of the year. Like this guy, it would be great. He wouldn't have even had a goal song. And like, yeah, that's the, the thing, thing. Like, do you assign a goal song to like all the guys that you call up? I like, guess you'd have to ask, ask right? Get, Unless you have like, like whole maybe you have a a default if they don't yet have a goal song. Mm. That would be great if there was like a hazing song for the new guys. Like that would be real good. A little good. teapot. Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's, I'm I wanted, into like, that. Like, like baseball walk-up music is always fun. You learn everybody's individual one. But then, like, Bryce Harper has, like, four. And, like, he that plays, is true. like... He has a bunch, like, yeah. yeah. there's, like, a bunch that you hear at, like, every at-bat's a different song. So, I don't know. I guess you wouldn't want to go with individual. All right. So, we know what Kelly wants. I think we know what Steph wants. You both want Whoop, There It Is? At this point, yeah. Whoop. Womp There It Is or some other Sabres-esque, goofy, mid-90s hip-hop song. That's the only um, place I want to go with it. The Hurricanes did raise up for a little while, and yeah. that was fun. I don't want some electronica bullshit like we had that one time that was real bad. I think Claude Giroux well, picked was... it once, and it was fucking awful. Um, would prefer that we don't go the 80s hair metal route again because it's been done. And I feel yeah, like I the like good... Feel the Shake. I No, I hate it. It's bad. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I mean, like it I, I don't all. think it's actively awful, but I just think it's kind of boring. It's not like... It, it's not like enough. Like, it's That's, not I enough to, going uh, on in that song. Like, when I went to see Green Day a couple of weeks ago, uh, Fall Out Boy was the co-headliner, and they played that Light It Up song. And I was like, oh, yeah, remember that? 
Remember when Mops that was a Mops? So like, like that Mops song is a dumb song, but that's a good goal. It, it oh, wasn't a bad sucked. goal song because it was no, it was terrible. really like I don't like Fall Out Boy that much. Yeah. But that song, goal song was not bad because it was so annoying. It kind of had that Fratelli's thing going for it where, like, it, it's it's annoying so it annoys the other fans when they have to hear it a lot. Yes. Which is, I think, if you're going to go that route, that's a, an important thing to think oh, about. Oh, that one How was annoying awful. is this going to be to every other fans that are watching? And it was How much does it make me not want the Flyers to score? Like, my big problem with Feel the Shake is it's just it's just kind of dull. Like, as yes. a song, like, at least, like, with, with Mops, you had, like, the guy shrieking, I'm on fire, and that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so goddamn dumb. So, oh, my God. And so, Bill, what are you in favor of? You know what I'm in favor of, Steph. Oh, oh you want that fucking song. Yeah. Right back where we started right where from. where we started from. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> it would be a cult classic. Everyone singing along and clapping. Like The clapping would be Nobody good. else would have... Everyone's like, oh yeah, put in AC fucking DC again. Ugh. No. Go the opposite direction. Fuck enter Sandman. Enter Maxine. <laughs> Can you come up with a prototype for me? Just make a, a goal song with what the the portion of It's just the chorus, I would imagine. We, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and it's alright and it's coming on. We gotta get right back to where we started from. Love is good, love can be strong. This is a city yeah. of brotherly love. Come on, this is the simplest fucking decision of all time. Everyone out there listening, if you haven't put in your entry yet, do it. Put in Maxine (laughs) and force them to try it. I hate it, but only because this is a decade-long feud that Bill and I have. Uh, It's just a great song. Paul Holmgren Holmgren was on the team that Slapshot is based on. Like, this couldn't get any simpler. Oh boy. Which Jimmy Eat World song does Charlie want? <laughs> no, that's no. I mean, well, Florida already uses sweetness, so that's taken. Yeah. No, honestly, like, I don't really have a set song that I have in mind. I haven't really thought about it. I do like the idea, though, of it being, like, a m- relatively modern song by a local band. Um, that Maybe. that I would like. Um like I know, people have thrown around "Came Out Swinging" by The Wonder Years, which I would be totally fine with. Um, you just have would have to do it so it was the end of the song when they actually do like the big blow up at the end. Um, and I just don't know if that's long enough. You might have to like do some tweaking to extend it a little bit so it it doesn't die out too quick. Um, but like, there's a lot of really good local like local rock bands or even like local hip hop groups in um you know in Philly. And I have to think that like somewhere in their catalogs is a good goal song because I like the idea of it being local. Like I like the fact that the Devils, this is one of the few things about the Devils that I like. So take this down because I'm actually not shitting on the Devils for once. (laughs) Um, Like they use uh, Howl by the Gaslight Anthem. And that makes sense because the Gaslight Anthem are a New Jersey band. And it's like, okay, we're going with a band from this area and celebrating them and also having them as the goal song. So I kind of like that idea for for the Flyers if they were to – like, I, I agree. I don't want to do, like, an 80s hair metal song. That seems dumb. I like the idea of it being something new and something local. Like, that's something that I was getting a real... I really was loving in 2019-2020, the last time that the, the stadium was full, was that the DJ, DJ Reed Streets, was playing a ton 
of like modern rock, local pop punk, like the Men Zingers, the Wonder Years, stuff like that. And I thought it added a really cool flavor to games. Like I remember telling friends like right before the pandemic pause the season, like this is great. You just like go to Flyers games, they win, and then you listen to a bunch of like rock, mu- a bunch of like rock music from like 2005 through 2019 or 2020, and it was great. And it was like name that tune for people who are into new rock music. And I'd love for the new uh, goal song to be something in that vein. I mean. You know what would also be really cool, but I don't think the Flyers will do it because it takes a certain level of um, awareness and they don't quite have it. If they contacted the Roots, it was like, make us a cool That would be cool. Yeah, I, I, I saw someone totally say on for Twitter. That. That's a good idea. I'd be totally down for that, yeah. Because I mean, the, the Roots are classic that would Philadelphia. Be cool as fuck. Yeah, they're classic Philadelphia. And then you wouldn't have to change the goal song every couple of years because the Roots just made one for you is there a will smith song we could use because that fits into my mid-90s hip-hop no welcome to miami (laughs) (laughs) yes so i guess the the, where i differ from you guys getting jiggy with it we can get jiggy with it oh my god and we can do the dance the worst thing ever so i guess where i differ from you guys is that like i want i want more of like a traditional like let's get excited song you guys seem to want like purposely goofy Oh yeah, I want purpose. No, yeah, I want purpose. Well, getting jiggy with it would be, would be purposely, purposely goofy. goofy. When this, well, there it is. Absolutely, that... would be purposely goofy. The Sabers doing "Let Me Clear My Throat" goofy. was a stroke of genius, in my opinion, and so I yeah. want that direction. That is genius. I think that it just needs to be fun. And Charlie, love you dearly, but you take music very seriously. I do. It doesn't have to be that serious. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that serious. I. Think, it just like... needs to be fun. It needs to be a song that. More than fifty percent of the stadium well, knows. Here's the and thing: would be able to to celebrate too. I think a big issue with this conversation is us and Charlie. Like, yes, we have, and Charlie does cover games in the press box. But like, there's a big disconnect between a lot of the people who have Flyers season tickets and a lot of the people who are on Flyers Twitter and want something else. So, like. If if this ends up being like rock and roll part two, I will not be the least bit shocked. And well, honestly, I mean, it, I think, it won't be because they can't pick him. Eh, they can. It's well, over. they they won't. They I wouldn't mean, be like, that dumb. Yeah, well, they did it before. I, the guy's literally in jail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> for like a really bad thing. I mean, like they still play Thriller at Halloween, right? Yeah. You know? well, I mean, I mean, Michael Jackson is a little bit. I don't know. It's there's. I wouldn't say there's more of a gray area, but I just don't think that's a conversation that a lot of people want to have, so we just don't have it. And he's dead. And he's dead. Good. Um, fuck him. No, I'm Look just, at that sensitivity like, on BSH radio. Why should I be sad? Fuck him. Good. Should have died 20 years I mean, before. Would have been a lot better for the world. Uh, like, I just don't, like... Since when does, like, this is the one guy we're going to say no, he can't, and listen, like, fine, that's fine with me. I just think that particular song is the ultimate goal song, and so, like, whatever the choice is should be some sort of derivative of that. Like, we had fucking uh, Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen just because of the hey, hey, hey. Like, and it's yeah. all, like, it's a good goal song. I love Van Halen. I don't want them to go back to it because, again... Let's move on. But, like, I, I do want that sort of element in the song, though. I, I do think that's important. 
it's gonna be something. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's something gonna be the, like with the whole crowd can chant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, no, I get that, but I don't know what song you're referring to. Regardless of the choice, everyone's gonna hate it for sure. <laughs> like without a doubt. It might be like gritty, where for the first two hours everyone is extremely pissed off, and then everyone just turns around and loves it. Well, I don't that, know. Well, so here's yeah. the thing: as soon yeah. as some other fan base says that it's a bad goal song, Philadelphia is gonna be like, listen. It's the best fucking goal song that has ever existed. It's, and it sucks that the you. Leafs took Hall and Oates because that would be fun. Because they're local. Yeah. yeah. They met at Temple. Um, I, like, I've always said, at the end of the day, the best goal song is the goal song that plays a lot. Like, if they want to play fucking the Sesame Street theme, <laughs> but it plays five times a game, I will love that because goals are good. They are good. Yeah. I like them, personally. Charlie, what do you want? What, what's, like, they, give me a song. What no, do you I, think? No, I, as I said, I haven't really done a lot of research of specifics, so I don't really have one that immediately jumps out. Um, but as I said, I do want it to, I would like it to be something local. I just, I, I, as I said earlier, like, I don't think, I'm not super into the idea of, like, the goal song makes me laugh. You know what I mean? And I, and I think you guys kind of are. And I'm it's more not so like, much laugh as I want the like, goal song to get up. me excited. Like, but that's like, like laughing is excited. Like when I jump up because I hear a song, like that's that's the same thing. It, it, maybe it's laughter, maybe it's not, but like that's a form of excitement. I was 100 percent on board. For example, when Kelly went on her um, crusade to get "Party Hard" as a goal song, like the that was fine choice. because oh, that that's exciting. But then the, the Penguins stole it, so you Those can't do that. Fucking now. assholes, man! Like, god damn it! I try to do one good thing in this life. I hate them so. Like that would have been the perfect goal. Song. I it honestly, is. I honestly Depends, hate no. them. I honestly hate them more for that than for <laughs> getting all those fucking lotteries in a row. Like, yeah. Right, should we should we take a break and move on? Yes. Yeah, we can talk about the actual. I hockey am team. enjoying this right. conversation, to be really honest. All right, uh, we're gonna pause for a commercial, and then we'll be back in a few, and we might even talk about a little hockey. We'll see. Who knows? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, welcome back, fam. Uh, as you know, the uh, we, we discussed earlier, rookie camp is right around the corner. And uh, I don't know, I heard a quote from Chuck Fletcher's media availability. I believe it was yesterday. Charlie, did you ask this question? about I did um, ask this Yeah, question. about players, young players, having to dramatically outperform veterans to earn opening night roster spots. And Chuck Fletcher answered in the affirmative, and my response to that is, uh, good. Young guys should have to earn their spot. That's not to say, like, halfway through the season, if we have better options, they should just be in there because they're old. But 
young guys should have to outperform the old guys who are cemented NHL players. And honestly, if like Morgan Frost or Cam York or whoever can't outperform dramatically these bottom of the roster guys, then they're not good enough. So like, I really didn't have a problem with this. I saw a lot of people go good, competition is good, but I also saw a lot of people be like, so here we go with Yuri Laterra playing every night again. And like, yes, if the bottom of the roster players are bad and that proves out, we can complain about it then. But the idea of competition is never bad. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead, Seth. Go ahead, Charlie. We're, we're both just <laughs> giving the floor to the other. I think that it's... I agree with Bill. I think that it's a good idea to get the kids in and competing. Um, but you need to have trust in Chuck and you need to have trust in AV to actually play the better player. And it's not that I don't have trust in them to do that. It's that I'm very conditioned by Ron Hextall and Dave Hextall that that is not going to happen. And that's... So I just I just have a lot of apprehension. But I don't think it's bad. I understand that this is my yeah. own personal baggage we that I'm all, to the conversation. We all have that bad taste in our mouth from the previous Oof. regime. That is 100% without a doubt framing all of our mindsets with this. The difference now, however, is... The general manager does not have carte blanche over the organization, nor does he. Nor is he of the belief that winning at the NHL level is, like, ninth on the priority list. Like, <laughs> that is the most important thing now. Fuck the Phantoms, fuck the draft, fuck all that nonsense. The NHL team being as good as possible is what actually matters now. So if there are better options, I have to believe they are going to, uh, like, play the best player. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the the concern out of that statement, and one of the reasons, the main reason why I asked the question is because I'm obviously going to be looking to project rosters, you know, who's going to make it out of camp, whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, it was it, it was less that, you know, like, if Cam York looks a little bit better than Keith Yandel, I wanted to get a read on whether, like, is that enough for him to make the team? Or does he have to, like, really blow Keith Yandel out of the water? And I get the impression, like, he really has to blow Keith Yandel out of the water to make this hockey team uh, right out of camp. And I think a lot of the, the concern from fans is that a lot of fans just aren't high on these depth guys at all. Like, they just, you know... I mean, obviously, a lot of people really, really hate Nate Thompson. But even, like, Derek Broussard and Keith Yandel, I think there's a, a significant portion of the fan base that are extremely skeptical these guys are any good. Um, so there's this idea that like, well, if they're playing at all in, in, in favor of Morgan Frost or Cam York or, um, you know, or like Tanner Lazinski or Wade Allison or whatever, um, that it's just dumb because obviously these kids are going to be better. Um, but I do think a lot of what, what's driving this is the feeling in the organization that the schedule is not going to be easy again. Maybe not. It's not going to be as crazy as it was last year. Um, you know, luckily we we found out yesterday that the Flyers plan to be 100% vaccinated, uh, players and staff, um, by the start of the season, which is great and should hopefully um, prevent you know a lot of stoppages uh, to the season like the one they dealt with last year. Um, but also, you know, you still have it's starting the season starting two weeks later. You still have the Olympic break, so there's going to be 
times where guys are going to get tired. And I think they like the idea of having these vets. And then if somebody gets hurt, which they will, or multiple players get hurt, which they will, or if players just get worn down, which they will, you can call up a Cam York. You can call up a Morgan Frost. You can call up a Tanner Lazinski. And they're probably pretty good and better than if you just had them in the starting lineup. And then when this sort of thing happens, the guy that gets called up is German Rupsoff or Maxim Shushko or Max Willman, you know, guys that are clearly in that second tier down in terms of likelihood of being quality NHL players. So I think a lot of this really is just driven by the idea of if Cam York doesn't make the team out of camp. He's going to get NHL games this year. We're not concerned about that. He doesn't need to be on the team for game one. But I do think that fans are going to look at it as, oh, God, Nate Thompson is our fourth-line center. Burn the whole thing down. You know what I mean? Okay, so just to be that guy for a second. So I do agree that the competition is good. I think that the opening night roster should consist of the players who prove to be the best players in camp the ones who look like they will constitute the best hockey team it's that dramatically word that is the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous like if cam york is better than some other defenseman that's older i don't think he'll be better than keith Yano, but let's just say he plays better than why does it have like how dramatic does it have to be if, if he is the better player he will make the team better on opening night. Why does it have to be some huge margin of better than in because... order for him to make the roster? That's the thing that bothers me a little bit. Like, I I would like the team to be – we've said this a million times over a million years. I would like the team to be made up of the best players. Sure. On, but like, the best available players. There is absolutely nothing somebody can show you in training camp, in the preseason – that matches like Keith Yandel's resume. So like Keith Yandel's getting in shape. Keith Yandel's getting in shape and preparing himself for an 82 plus game fucking marathon. Someone else is preparing to make a team for the first time in their life. Like it's just two totally different exercises for these guys. And like yeah, if if Cam York comes in and he looks like uh, you know rookie Gostaspare, you have to figure out a way to get him in the lineup. But short of that, like. I will, I will in this case, because these guys that they have outside of Nate Thompson and, like, you know, if the 12th forward is my biggest concern, I have no concerns. But, like, Derek Broussard, Keith Yandel, these guys have proven to be at least useful NHL players. The others have not. So, That's like, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a baseline of, like, uh, competence, at least, that no. you have to prove in games. This is a good point, and it kind of goes to what Steph was saying about this kind of being residual from the other yeah. administrations. Because r you're right in that right now, the the fourth line shit players that we're talking about being afraid of making the team are way better like, than the ones we unless had before. Derek unless Derek Broussard loses a leg, he's better than Chris Vandevelde, and yeah. even then, it's fucking close. Like you're right. No, no, no you're right. I was just, I don't know, I was, I was trying no, to... No, and, yeah. like, I'd rather, I'd rather have the young, fun guys because, like, that's what I want the team to be made of, but the idea that 
they're ready and they're ready to go when we have injuries and it's not that next tier down. Like that depth that we thought we had last year and then we had a couple injuries and we were like, fuck, we don't have depth at all. They might actually have this season. And that's like also encouraging because there are going to be injuries. It is a contact sport. And some of these guys are pretty fucking old. Um, I agree that having good hockey players makes a good hockey team. The wild idea. Um, it is, it is wild. But I think last year also showed us, and Chuck's comments in the offseason showed us, that you need to have the right mix of players. Fair so enough. it can't just be all of the most talented slash ego-driven players. Like, it's got to be the right group of guys. And they just haven't nailed that in the past couple of years now with hope hopefully the grumps gone from <laughs> the, the team and with the infusion of cam atkinson's lovely smile hopefully that will help and i do have a level of trust in this front office that i didn't have before so. and i think i think steph makes a good point in terms of mix when we're talking about like, the culture, we often, like, are looking at the locker room and that. But, uh, like, I wouldn't say Cam Atkinson is a considerably better hockey player than Jake Voracek. I might, like, just starting from scratch, not accounting for cap hit or anything, go, I would take Jake Voracek ahead of Cam Atkinson. But based on the makeup of the team, what they already have, they need Cam Atkinson more than Vorch. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just yeah, about yeah. the the chemistry off the ice. Also, just on the ice, having a guy who shoots the fucking puck with a bunch of guys who love to pass it is far more important than having a third guy who also loves to pass it. I mean, a lot of this really, and we've sort of danced around it, but a lot of this really just boils down to how much you trust the coaches. Because yeah. if, like, I'm I'm always of the opinion that I want to give guys a shot. You know, when, they, when you sign a vet, let's see what he's got in a new system. You know, even if I have an idea of what his past results were, I want to see how he performs in a new system because it certainly wouldn't be the first time where a guy performs better in a new system versus where he performed before. And even going back to Nate Thompson, like, I know we, you know, everyone shits on Nate Thompson. Nate Thompson really wasn't bad for, for Winnipeg last year. Like, his underlying numbers last year were fine. And if he could do that here, he'd be fine. Like, he would be fine. So... I'm not even willing necessarily to toss Nate Thompson out, but like if Nate Thompson after five, 10 games is looking like crap, then you can't just keep him in just because he's a vet. You got to then bring in someone who can perform better or at least has the chance of performing better. So it really, for me, it just boils down to like, I don't have a problem with this mentality as long as the coaching staff proves willing to acknowledge when one of the vets is underperforming and makes the move that they need to make in terms of getting a higher upside young guy in to see if he can perform better. Oh, and like that's always the caveat here is I'm fine with it until the idea of competition is actually, well, the competition was really about who has the thickest, grayest beard, like, yeah. and it wasn't about what they do on the ice. Like, I I do believe you need a certain amount of veterans and a certain amount of guys who've done it before to be able to, like, bring the team along through certain stages of the season and into the postseason. But when we we talked about, you know, inputs, outputs, 
They also have to be useful players. I'm hoping that they prove to be that, and if they're not, then the coach makes that decision. We got to go with the young kid because this dude's giving us nothing. Just retire and become a goddamn coach. Like that was always my like. Okay, if everything if everything Andrew McDonald does is intangible, well then guess what? He should be on the fucking bench in a suit. Like problem solved. Hackstall, you're out. Andrew, you're in. Problem solved. But uh, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise. Yeah, and the McDonald thing, I mean, it became abundantly clear that he was not very good when, after the Flyers bought him out, he didn't get another NHL job anywhere. Just saying. (laughs) Like, 20 minutes a night to unemployed. I can't. We can't do it. I just, I I do want to, like, last year, this year is a good, uh, it is a good test, a good measuring stick for the coaches because, you know, year one, we were all so high on Elaine Vigneault. We thought, you know, I mean, he was a contender. He was a finalist for the uh, coach of the, the Jack Adams. Blank there on the name of the award. Uh, <laughs> and then last year, everybody kind of everybody kind of turned on him, and it wasn't, it wasn't without merit. Now, a lot of shit went wrong last year. Basically, Murphy's Law, everything that could go wrong did. But a coach's job is seeing your team through adversity, and they failed to do that on top of all of the surface-level stuff as well, just roster management and in-game tactics, etc. So I think this year is kind of a, a rubber match for the coaches. Like, year one, good. Year two, huge step back. How do they adjust? Big, huge part of coaching is adjustment. How do they adjust now? Yeah, that is going to be a really big factor here because I think that last season, despite the fact that there were a lot of extenuating circumstances, I think that last season we started to see, last season and the playoffs before, we started to see bad Elaine Vino, like the one that the Rangers fans kept warning us about. And prior to that, we saw good Elaine Vino, which Vancouver fans seemed to like when he was there. So it is going to be interesting to see which side of his own history he hangs he ends up on because uh I could do without playoff Elaine Vino because it was real bad. Twas bad. Real bad. No adjustments to be made whatsoever. Like like Bill said Not like what? just just adjust. Like that's that's enough for me. Like if I if you're coaching a shitty game and you're being out coached hard, like do something different. Yeah, I mean one point I'll make about that whole Elaine Vigneault thing is that Alan, I Alan, um, <laughs> I do think this is low key a really really big year for him uh-huh. as a coach because I mean if you think back to the way that the front office dealt with this off season, you know it was it was very clear that the message they sent was that we believe the problem is the players. The coaches are fine. They they really didn't let anybody go. I mean, they if anything, they promoted um, Lappy to a different role. Um, and they brought in a guy yeah. in Darrell Williams who is basically A.V.'s guy. I mean, he was A.V.'s guy in Vancouver. He was A.V.'s guy in New York. So the, the, the messaging essentially was, was that we're sort of pinning the failure of the 2020-21 season on the players, not the coaches. The coaches aren't the problem. The players in the mix were, so we're changing up the mix. We're getting new players. We're filling roster holes. If the Flyers stink again, 
I don't think Chuck Fletcher oh. is going to take a step back and say, I'm the one who screwed up with all the additions I made. He's going to look at it and say, okay, I like this mix. Maybe the coaches aren't right. So this low key to me is a big year for Vino. Um, just because like he kind of, I wouldn't say he got a pass because I'm sure that, you know, there was talks about, you know, the things he did wrong. Cause he did quite a few things wrong this past season. You know, his treatment of Carter Hart, top of the list, but he got a pass in, in essence, he got a pass because nothing happened. You know, he yeah. kept his job, his assistants kept their job and he got a new mix of players that ostensibly will be better. Well, if the team's not better, you know, Chuck Fletcher ain't going to fire himself. He's going to fire the coach. <laughs> so this is a big year for Vino. He really needs to uh, to turn this thing around. And if he doesn't, I mean, the heat's going to go on him because they already did everything else except change the coaching staff. Yeah, and like when yeah, you... Yeah, and I think that um, his seat is a little bit warmer than uh, people would necessarily expect. Like, I wouldn't say that you should put him in the top five of coaches to be fired this season, but I also would not recommend leaving him out of the top 10. I don't expect that to happen. I don't expect for the team to be as bad yeah. this year as they were last year. I think that's the biggest one I mean, they can't they're be. going to take. Really? I mean, for our own sanity. The goaltending can't be that bad, so they're just baseline going to be better. Carter Hart is not they're the gonna, worst goalie in the league. Better. Like, no. he can't no. be. Sure hope not. Yeah. But I'm fucking there's done. There's that optimism we love. <laughs> I'm fucking done. But, I'm going to the Eagles if, beat if, if that happens. Yeah, I mean, if if it happens the way that it went last year, I think AV is gone. I don't even think that it's a question. But the chances of it happening that way are so slim that we shouldn't even be considering it right now. Yeah, yo, I... That's my thing. Is like I expect the team will be better, so I do not think yeah. Elaine Vigneault and his coaching staff will be fired. But, but if they're yeah. if they're not good, like I don't think that's off the table. So this is a real yeah. big year for Vigneault. I mean, Vigneault struggled last year with the challenge of the pandemic. He was open about that. So he needs to do a better job. Like everybody with regards to the Flyers needs to do a better job, and the coaching staff is not immune from that criticism. I think they will, but if they don't. I don't think this is a case. Like, I don't think this is a case of Comcast being like, "Well, we got Vino signed to this big contract, so we're not going to fire him." Like, nah, the team sucks. Like, right. and nothing's off the table. Yeah. No, and like we've seen, as we've talked about in the past, Flyers making a uh, a big PR push because, like, for the first time in their history, you know, they know this building ain't just going to be full. They've experienced it, but now they actually know, hey, if we're mediocre, we're going to have mediocre attendance. Like, they know that's on the table for them, and they really don't want that. So it's not going to be a wait-and-see approach with them. They are going to be proactive in making sure people know, like, hey, the front office, the ownership, they're trying to win. It's not, this isn't like a, uh, this isn't, you know, a hands-off ownership. This is they're actually going to do things. We see this with the offseason they had, the PR push they're making now. I think this is a... If things don't go right, I'm not going to say right away, but in the first month, two months, I don't think trades are off the table. Like I think there's a lot that could happen between you know the start of the season and, let's call it, December. 
like before the Christmas break in yeah. terms of not just firing the coach, but oh yeah, this uh, this mix that we thought we got right, no, we didn't. You're out of here. Like I think those sorts of things are on the table as well. Sure. And another thing too that you have to remember, and this is honestly a good problem to have, but it's still a problem, is like the Flyers have a lot of young guys that are banging down the door, and and that was something we talked about earlier. Well, if some of those young guys step into roles and then you know let's like let's say somebody gets hurt like let's say i I, i'm just like throwing like let's say like travis connectney gets hurt okay and then he's out for a month or two knock on wood knock on wood and then wade allison gets bumped up to the first line and kills it like suddenly i'm not saying that when connectney comes back they would trade connectney but like they might trade someone because it's like well Wade Allison's really freaking good. We need a spot for him in the top six, so maybe we don't need this guy anymore. No, that's you put yourself in a situation if, you know, those things work out positively. Wade Allison or whoever steps up and looks good. Uh, Oscar Lindblom bounces back and yeah. looks like the Oscar Lindblom of old. Any number of these young kids. You put yourself in a situation where you can afford, like we've said in the past, to lose a trade in order to gain an advantage elsewhere. Like, sure. yeah, JVR's real good. And honestly, two years, seven million, not the worst thing in the world to be paying a 25, 30 goal scorer. If you move him, it, it's not the end of the world, even if you don't get quote unquote value back for him just because you create space, you create a role for this guy who who needs the the time on ice and all that. So they have options. They really do have options and I think that's the best thing we can say. Uh real quick, let's just knock out the uh the beginning of this top twenty five under twenty five that began on Broad Street Hockey this week. Um It's a good website. It's pretty good. Um <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Let's just, uh, we had a tie at 25, so it's tied for 24, uh, Ivan Fedotov and the Germ. At 23, Jay O'Brien, 22, David Kacha, 21, Linus Hogberg, 20, Isaac Ratcliffe, 19, Ronnie, is it Adderd or Attard? Adderd. Adderd, that's what I thought. Um, I mean, yeah, he hasn't been around that long, so it's hard to, hard to judge, like, excitement level but of everybody else you excited about any of these guys like you think they could reach some sort of some sort of nhl not just guys but uh, and not even difference maker but someone who you you like in your lineup i like isaac ratcliffe for for really no reason other than i like isaac ratcliffe linus hogberg is another good prospect linus hogberg Uh, yeah Linus. Linus Hogberg <laughs> is another good prospect. He's got to earn the, the correct pronunciation. Also, He's got to earn it. We want to call hog. him the Hog. So well, you can call him the Hog and him still be Hogberg. I guess. Like, what we didn't pronounce Gossus Bear Ghostus Bear just because Fair. we called him Ghost. Fair enough, actually. I argued that point a lot. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Um, I like them, but I don't think that either of them will be game changers necessarily. Um, Isaac Ratcliffe continues to need to remember how big he is. Um, that's all I have to say. I didn't complete a top 25 under 25 because I realized once I got to 10, it was just a, a, a blender. It, I could have put any group of guys into any place 
from 11 to 25. I could have put any guys in any place from 11 to 42 with Matthew Strom at 43. Um, but I, I just didn't. Oh, that's just I what said, I do. I year. said I'd always include, <laughs> I said I'd always include Strom until he stopped producing. Well, Uh-oh. it's happened. <laughs> he's finally, 43. he's finally no longer uh, relevant on this list. Uh, like, yeah, Ratcliffe I'm hopeful about just because, like, I was hopeful when they drafted him, but seeing his development thus far, yes, it takes guys that big a while to adjust to the speed and the angles and everything. Perhaps he, he can become a player one day, but it hasn't happened. And he had hasn't happened yet. A, br- a brutal year last year. Yeah, that, that's the big thing for me brutal. with him. Like. His first year in the AHL was legitimately a disappointment. He legitimately did not play that well, and it was disappointing, especially coming off of what was a great final season in the OHL. Last season, he wasn't good either, but there were a lot of reasons for that. Like, we're talking about a guy who, like, before the season started, had a collapsed lung and, like, legitimately could have died. Um, So... And then I believe, you know, he was injured at the end of the year. He just had, like, a hellish year. And it's it's easy for me to kind of look at that and say, like, look, you have to downgrade him as a prospect because it's two years into his professional career, and he hasn't really done anything yet. So you have to downgrade him. You absolutely have to. But it's easier for me to look at last year and kind of just throw it out, out the window and just be like, all right, this is a make-or-break year for you without a doubt, but I'm not going to bury you because of what happened last year because you dealt with a lot of shit. You know, everybody yeah. dealt with a lot of shit, but he dealt with a lot of shit even more than most people. So didn't he have COVID? I think he too? had COVID. I think he was on the list. Um, and then, and then after that, after he had recovered, he had the collapsed lung. No, the collapsed lung was at the start of the year. So the collapsed oh, lung, was it? yeah, right. the collapsed lung was. Um, I believe he was like prepping for the season, and he hurt like his collarbone, and then it like punctured lung. Like it was yeah, bad. And then that's but... that that cut off like the beginning of his year, and then he came back, and then I think he was part of the COVID outbreak um, in uh, in Lehigh, I believe. And then he came back, and then he got hurt, so he was playing through injury. It was just a weird year. So I'm more than willing to give him this year to show that he's you know he can be something in the NHL, but there's concerns. I mean, he's not the best skater in the world. And as Steph said, he doesn't use his size as well as he should. Like considering he's six, six and pretty strong, he gets pushed around far too much. So got to stop that. And, you know, they say big guys are projects. Maybe he'll be a project, but he needs a big year this year to really reestablish himself as a prospect in the organization. I think I will say I'm kind of holding out hope still for Jay O'Brien. Uh, listen, no, listen, I know, I know. But he was a point-of-game player in college last year for BU. Like, he went to the BCHL, maybe got his confidence back, and perhaps he can be something. I'm not saying he's going to be this team's, like, 1C or something one day, but, you know, for somebody who looked absolutely lost, and it was like, oh, man, that was a wasted pick, maybe it still is. But he did kind of turn things around last year in his return to college. It was better. That's fair. He was a pretty good sure. player. I, I mean, I'm not sure that I would say it wasn't a wasted pick anymore. It was definitely a wasted pick. Uh, we don't know that but yet. he's in the system now. He's in the system. You know, yeah, he did better last year. Cool. I have very low opinions of Jay O'Brien's skill level. 
Um, but if he can put together another good season, that's fine. I'll bump him up my list. Yeah, this is another guy who I think this is a huge year because, yeah, he played well for BU, and it was great to see him actually produce. That said, I mean, last year was weird. You know, they didn't play that many games. The schedule was was weird. They weren't playing incredibly tough competition. So, like, the, he did about as well. He did what he had to do. Let's put it that way. He did what he had to do. But this year will be a lot more normal, and I think this year will go a long way towards showing just how good of a player Jay O'Brien can be because I'm still, I'm still skeptical. I just, you know, obviously his time at Providence was a disaster, an absolute disaster. And he was he was hurt. He had concussions. But even when he played, he just wasn't effective. And then when he went to the BCHL, like, he scored, yes. And if you at first glance, you're like, his scoring numbers are good. But what you got to remember is, like, that's not a good league. No, he's like, a first-round NHL pick. He should yeah, score like, there. Like, that's a lower-tier junior hockey league that's mostly populated by young players, like, younger than him. And he was, like, for me to be satisfied with that, he needed to be the best player in that league. And he very clearly was not. I don't think he was particularly close. Um, I've heard people question his hockey sense, which I think is fair based on what I've seen, um, that, like, he just doesn't think the game at a super high level. Um, and he just doesn't necessarily have, like, a bunch of skills that pop as holy shit skills. Like, he's an extremely hard worker. He's tenacious. The effort's there. I just don't know if the skill plus the sense is there. And this year is a big year for him. I mean, if he goes out there and he kills it for BU, even though he's an older-ish prospect, that's cool. And that really puts himself back on the on the map. But my thing is I'm not willing to throw out two disappointing years post-draft because of one 16-game run of good play in an extremely weird pandemic season. Yeah, I'm just like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So he was a point-per-game player. In a season where there are only 16 games? Yeah, he scored yes. eight goals. That's a fucking half a goal a game. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not impressed by that. <laughs> well, I, not even like It's good. I don't know what else well, to As say. I said, he did what he had to do. It's just I want to see Congratulations more. on your eight goals for a whole season. It's college. These guys don't score 40 eight. fucking goals. Like, there's, uh, so there what was six, there? There were 16 What was games. there, 10 fewer games than normal? Like, who gives in a fairness, like, it I, isn't that easy to score goals in college, but. Listen, I'm going to cling to this. A bunch of hack stalls playing bullshit systems. When somebody has a really good 16-game streak and then goes dead for the next 30 games, I'm going to remind Bill, no, 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 16 games are all that matters. Well, he hasn't gone dead yet. We don't know any of that. Like, I'm just well, like, he might have, season. he might have what it takes to be a bottom of the lineup banger with a little bit of pop. Like, and we keep thinking we have these guys in our system and thus far we do not. Like none of these guys That's have fair. lived up yeah. to that billing. So maybe, just maybe, he's one of these guys that you need depth wise. I don't know if he's any good. Perhaps he isn't. There's a really good chance he isn't. Most guys aren't very good, but I, he bounced back last year as well as you can expect. Sure. And of everyone else on that list, most of them have proven to me, eh, mm, okay. No, I, the, the, a scout I talked to last season while he was, I think it was after O'Brien had finished the year, it was like at the, near the very end. A scout I talked to who's not with the Flyers basically said with regards to Jay O'Brien, you know, he's now viewed as a prospect again. Like that should tell you how far his yeah. stock dropped. Like before last season, 
people in the industry did not even view him as an NHL prospect anymore. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, now he's relevant again. Now, you know, he's put himself back on the map. Now he has to build on that and actually do it for a full season in a normal year. But going into last season, I mean, most people around the league were, like, they didn't even view him as a yeah. guy who had a chance. He'd been written off, but... Yeah. Since he has something to build on, the one thing everyone talks about, and we've spent way too much time on fucking Jay O'Brien, like who I hope to be the fourth-line center one day, I'm just saying, a guy with the work ethic everyone talks about, with something to build on, I don't think he's in the, okay, just, yeah, he's going to be a fan, I mean, he'll play eight games a year territory. Maybe that's what he is, but of everybody on that list, I've given up on most of them, and I haven't yet with him. That's all. Fair. Fair. You've given up on Ratcliffe and Hogberg? Yeah, I mean, Hogberg's been around, like, how long? And what's he, what is he? Isaac Ratcliffe, we'll see. I, I like Ratcliffe. I hope he's good. But, like, so far, so bad. Yeah, I mean, Hogberg's <laughs> probably, he's probably a depth guy. Um, yeah. You know, I, when I talked to Brent Flair a couple weeks ago, he basically said that, yeah, I mean, Hogberg could be an injury call-up this year. He played pretty well in his first season with the Phantoms. He finished the year strong. He um he really earned the uh, the trust of the coaching staff. Obviously, it's a new coaching staff this year, so I'll have to do that all over again. But he earned the trust of the Phantoms coaching staff by the end of the season. And he's the kind of guy who, you know, if a couple defensemen get hurt, maybe he gets called up and gets a couple games. And then we see what how he does in the NHL. But, I mean, I don't see him as much more than, like, if everything breaks right, maybe he's a four. But he's probably, a you know, a five or a six or depth guy even if he hits his ceiling. It's just ceiling just isn't super high. Um, David Kasha, who was on this list, like, I don't know if he's ever even going to rejoin the organization. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> you hate David Kasha so much. <laughs> no, like, listen, I like him, but it's like... No, Charlie. It's, oh, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, I was the guy on the other side that was like, oh, it looks like he has something, but I know, like he's him. gone. Like, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, and he has some skills. My concern with David Kasha has always been, and considering the fact that he's now overseas, and I don't know if he's going to come back or not, it seems like this may have played out. My concern with him was that he's really small, but he doesn't score enough <laughs> to play high up in the lineup. So it's like maybe he can be a fourth liner and be a good one, but how many coaches in the NHL are going to use a guy that small as a fourth liner? And that was my concern. I just looked at him as like somebody who to me, screamed NHL, AHL tweener, like skilled enough to be good in the AHL, but not like a Jordan Wheel type, you know, not good enough to really crack a full-time NHL role in the way that NHL coaches build their lineups, you know, and now he's over in Europe, maybe he'll be a great Europe player, but I just never really saw a natural fit in a lineup because he's the kind of guy where, you know, he's in your middle six ideally, but he's never really scored enough to justify being in an NHL middle six. So unless he took a big step forward scoring wise, I wasn't really sure where he fit and I'm still not sure where he really fits, but Hey, maybe he comes back at some point. You never know. I still believe in you, Jordan wheel. I still believe in you. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Is, is he still in Montreal? Who's uh, did say? he resign there? I don't know. I, I thought he was a free agent, but maybe Stephanie, he resigned in, in Did Nolan Montreal. Patrick sign a contract yet? Last Not I that looked, I've seen, no. But I haven't been very online. It was like a day or two ago I looked, and he was still listed as an RFA. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything, but I've been very but busy. With I will say the new commenting platform launch, so everyone pay attention to that. I will say, in terms of the Patrick thing, I looked at their cap friendly the other day, 
and they have it appears zero dollars in cap space so this could be a uh first day of the season we put someone on ltir send someone down mm-hmm. and then we sign nolan patrick or he starts the year at the Phantoms, whatever, with the AHL. He's not in this organization anymore, but uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. This yes. could be uh, a uh, contract in a drawer until we figure other shit out situation uh-huh. when I was looking at their cap. But regardless, according, he's not signed. Ac- Fuck him. Let's wrap acor- it up. According to David Schoen of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Patrick's agent, Rich Evans, said Tuesday there was no update on negotiations. For oh, the that's a shame. No, right. So this actually um, seems like it's a semi holdout, which is fascinating. Awesome, awesome. I, I am, I am now enthralled by this. I will follow it a lot more closely. Oh, I'll have an update next week. Incredible, uh, Steph. Before we wrap the September twenty fifth event, you wanted to update. Yes, the September twenty fifth Flyers tailgate games event was canceled. All right, so that's that a bummer. sucks. We are not going to be playing ladder golf with you people on September twenty fifth. Uh, but Not stay make tuned as plans. the season. I know yeah, the season starts not long after that, so we'll come up with something fun to do. All right, awesome. Uh, that's it. So that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already. Hit that subscribe button, and uh, you'll be just inundated with content once the season starts. And I mean, fuck, it's the what second week of September, and we just did an hour ten. I mean, how do you not just give us a how do you not give us a five star review based on just that? So hit that subscribe button and give us that five star review. God damn it! All right, that's it. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show, Freaking Rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Throw showed Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports Channel. 
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.